Welcome to Candid Conversations with Candace and Siobhan. We are dynamic women with different backgrounds, life experiences, and personal struggles. Yet the more we got to know each other, the more we realized that our similarities far outweighed our differences. Our goal is to bridge the gap between us and them. We are more alike than we are different. We are your go-to podcast for all things real, raw, and resilient. Each week, we have unscripted conversations with remarkable individuals who have truly decided to show up authentically in their own lives and are now inspiring others to do the same. Take a moment to listen, and not only will you see yourself in these stories, you'll leave with a takeaway from our guests and a reminder of the power of vulnerability and connection. Hello, and welcome to another Candid Conversation with Candace and Siobhan. Today, we are joined by Brenda Bix, who sees herself as both a seeker and a lover. In this episode, she shares with us how she seized her window of opportunity to follow her heart and what she was willing to lose in order to fulfill her soul's call to action. Taking chances in travel, work, and making connections around the world, she always believed she would find love. And it is with that openness she shares with us the key to making friends. A key message that stood out to me was that when you gotta go, you gotta go. Hello everybody and welcome to another Candid Conversation with Candace and Siobhan. Today we are joined by retired teacher and traveler extraordinaire Brenda Bix. And I met Brenda, I don't know how many years ago it was, but um, she was part of a, a presentation that was put on yearly and it was called the Living Library. And I remember signing up to attend and um, you're gonna tell us a little bit more about that later and what you're doing with that today through the virtual world. But it was so intriguing. And then one day we just got together for, um, I don't know, brunch or something. And the connection was extraordinary. It was such an interesting time. And then the next thing I knew you were leaving. And yeah. so all of a sudden, you know, when we, when we think about who we wanna talk to for these candid conversations, it's all about real people who've experienced extraordinary things and are an influence and, and inspiration to others. And Brenda popped to my mind and it was like the perfect time, even though, as we mentioned, time is relevant. And uh, we're so thankful to have you with us today. And thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's kind of cool to be here. So I, when, when I got the invitation, I thought, why do they want to talk to me? <laughs> but hey, why not? So <laughs> yeah, tell me what you want to know. Well, the first thing I'd like to know is, um, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Because I'm just talking from what I know of you, but it's so minimal. So tell us a little bit more about you and what, what you, sure, yeah. you know, what I, that journey's I, been. I thought it was kind of funny that I just listened to my introduction and thought, Oh, retired teacher and ex uh, traveler, traveler extraordinaire. Yeah. yeah, and I thought, oh, okay. So that's an interesting way to define me as a retired teacher. Um, and, you know, when someone says, who am I? And somebody wants my bio, I think, oh, gosh, that's such a loaded question. It's, it's a huge question. And I have probably over the last year or so thought about that a lot. Like, who, who am I? When you condense it down and you keep boiling it down and boiling it down and you distill it, who am I? And, uh, you know, I'm not going to give you a pat answer, one that comes from Eastern philosophy, but I will say that I came down to whether it's at my soul level or whether it's uh, on this plane, I am a seeker. 
I'm a mm. seeker and I believe I'm a seeker of, of knowledge, of adventure, um, of experiences. And I'm a lover. I am a lover of people. I am a lover of stories. And when you talked about the living library, that always makes me go, <gasps> because I'm so excited about that. And, and, and all of that is, it's nothing big. It's just, it's just people and stories and everybody's got one. So, you know, you chose to have me on the show today, but you could choose anybody quite frankly, because everybody has a story and there's always something extraordinary in your suitcase that you haven't even imagined. So if somebody opens it up, there's always these extraordinary things inside. So yes, I am an earn. I'm not, I have been a teacher, mm-hmm. uh, an elementary teacher, a high school teacher. I've been an international teacher. I've taught in Canada for many years, been a yoga teacher, a sign language teacher, blah, blah, blah. Um, but really, I'm I'm also a, a student, and that I think is part of the seeker. I'm always looking to learn something new. Not one of those lifelong learners, but you know, <laughs> like for real. There's things that I want to know, and I don't even know what I don't know. So, whatever's coming around the corner, I know it's going to be pretty pretty cool, and I have no idea what it is. It's COVID times, but I'm sure something's around the corner. Yeah. That's interesting. I I talk about, so I am currently employed as a high school teacher and I have plans to leave that career to, you know, expand our business further. And I'm really excited about that. But people tell me, but you are a teacher. So when I introduced you as a retired teacher, the thing is, Brenda, I think just like me, you are a teacher and it comes in so many ways and it's not the label of the we kind of felt this might happen. Siobhan's out in Costa Rica, if you guys don't know that right now. And she was kind of going in a little bit. There she is. So just to put that as a heads up. But anyway, sometimes here, sometimes not. Sometimes there, sometimes not. Yeah. But I love how you, you know, I'm a seeker. I'm a lover. Um, I was thinking I'm a helper. Siobhan, what, how, how could you find, what would you be? If you were, I it's am. It's funny that you said seeker, because that's actually a word that I've used is seeker. And it's a lifelong learner. And I also got the label of teacher, which I didn't love the label of teacher when I was younger, because I'm like, I don't particularly like children. So I'm mm-hmm. not a teacher. But then mm-hmm. the more that I've kind of gone on in my own journey, I realized I'm a yoga teacher. I, I teach in multiple ways. So I love that you've said, this is a part of my label, but not my entire thing. Right. And I'm wondering where where some of this seeking has then led you. Because mm-hmm. I don't know anything about the living library. So I'm very intrigued by this. But I'm wondering, as a seeker, Gee. where has that led you on this journey? Of this oh, my gosh. That's a great that, question. That, that's a big question too, Siobhan, <laughs> because I could, when I think about, you know, all the onion layers of my life, there are so many places that I could go with that, that answer. Um, one of the, I'll just, it, this isn't related. To, yes, it is related to the living library. Everything's related to the living library. But um, when I finished my contract in Qatar, Qatar, I went to Sri Lanka with some friends of mine. I think three, four of us went to this beautiful yoga retreat in Barwell and it was all Ayurvedic, really a great experience right on the Indian Ocean and just off season. And I was sitting waiting for one of my Ayurvedic treatments and there was this fellow sitting beside me. He was an older gentleman. He had long hair, it was pulled back in a ponytail. And there we are kind of vulnerable and exposed, wrapped in these cotton green sheets. 
And it's just the two of us sitting on these rattan chairs outside looking at the ocean. And so uh, in my little sheet, I turned to him and I said, hello, how are you today? And he, he turned and in this big, beautiful, booming voice, almost like that of someone you would see as a religious figure. He goes, I'm fine. How are you? And I said, well, I'm really, I'm very well. Thank you. And he said, where are you from? And we had this ensuing conversation. I said it was from Canada. He had just been in Canada. So he had this beautiful South Asian accent that I recognized. And he said, well, where do you think I'm from? I said, mm, I think you're from South Asia, but I can't really place it. So it turns out, as the story goes, he's from Pakistan. I don't know who he is, but he said, oh, well, if you were from Pakistan, Brenda, you would know who I am. And I'm like, hey. okay, so... Well, this is intriguing. So it turns out that my now dear friend Javad, it was the former chief justice of all of Pakistan. And he was there with his wife and his two grown daughters and one of their friends. So over the course of a couple of days, I've been a retired teacher for four days when I meet this fellow. And I have conversations with him and it turns out that I'm going to end up somehow at his school this alternative school that has the most beautiful philosophy you guys would love it and it's about that we are all one we are all equal and in the stratified society of pakistan and india he wants all children to have access to um, an excellent education so not squashed into state schools and then their parents paying huge fees to go to these elite private schools so his daughters actually pulled their own children out of these private schools and put them into their parents' school. His wife's name is Bina and they were both there and they both have this amazing vision. She's an artist. He's this, you know, he's got this very laser focus and they balance each other beautifully. So sure enough, I ended up at their school, staying with them for a month. They treated me like family. We went on little holidays together. Their granddaughter, who's seven, uh, FaceTimed me yesterday and told me how much she misses me and loves me. And and I ended up teaching online for them once I left. And once a week, I get up at a ridiculous hour in the morning and teach uh, sign language and English because there happened to be a little girl there who's deaf and who had no language whatsoever. And I was like, oh, this is one of the reasons that I'm here. Apparently, I've been here to help this little girl communicate. So just crazy kismet. That's like one little yes. slice of a story. That yeah. is amazing. Actually, that story, the gentleman reminds me, um, I happened to catch uh, uh, like a documentary on Netflix about a man, I'm not sure what area of India, I'm sure it was India, and how he was just fed up with the system, how so many children in the lower caste system were not able to go to school and so yeah. he said screw that basically and opened up a school and it might have been back in the maybe in the 80s and um it's still going on today and and it's quite interesting and but they only picked they could only pick one child from a family mm -hmm. and so um you know because it's still difficult but that the school's still around and and the impact it's had to change lives and i love that i just taught my class today about we were looking at this um, little graphic novel about the Chatham Colored All-Stars, a baseball team here from Chatham, Ontario, back in the 1930s, because we don't use the term colored anymore. And we discussed all these things. And um, 
and just, I said, my, my motto is that, you know, not just motto, but my, my way of looking at things is I am you and you are me. And so I'm teaching kids that are 14, 15 years old. And I said, I know it sounds funny, Miss Allen, she's got gray hair and, you know, I'm a woman, I'm a mom, I'm a, you know, all these things I said, but when you, when you take away all those differences in the, in the big grand scheme of it, if I can look at you as being a part of me, then I wish you only love and joy and health. And, and we had a good discussion about that because I think a lot of times we think of our separateness and the way you've been able to travel around and find a place with family, becoming part of a family. And, yeah. um, that just, that just really, um, reinforces that idea of we are one. I love that. Yeah. And, um, uh, it's funny, a friend of mine I was walking with recently, Shelly, you know, you probably know Shelly, but yeah. um, anyway, we were going for a walk and I talked about how when I travel, I actually don't just like to travel and go through. I like to stay. If I can stay for a month, two months, amazing or longer, because then I feel like I got to know a place. I usually get to know some people. And she said, oh, well, you're not a traveler. You're a liver. And then we both started to laugh and I said, oh yeah. And as an older woman, you know, a liver spots. So that's, <laughs> that can be my, I like, cause there are all these spots around the world where I'd like to be. Yeah. Able to, yeah. I'm going to choose to have liver spots. <laughs> it's kind of funny. That's a way to get, you know, women who are more than 40, maybe who are like, uh, you know what, cause Brenda, like listening uh -huh. to you, I'm, I'm curious, you have to tell us how you ended up in Qatar anyways. Um, but a lot of people are hesitant to go to Sri Lanka, Qatar, um, you know, especially coming from Canada and the life that we're used to and, um, you know, and to not just go through, to not just move through the place, but to live and experience. And, um, that's quite, I don't know what the word is, but I think, you know, through your conversation today to share what people might be missing if they don't just say yes and say, yes, I'm going to immerse myself. I'm going to be part of this. But how did you end up in Qatar anyways? Well, and I, I want to make sure that you're, you know, and that your listeners know, Yes. everyone says, oh, you're so intrepid. You're so brave. You go to these, these places that aren't safe. Um, I've gone to South Africa a couple of times. I love Cape Town and also have a good friend there. So when you said we don't say colored, Actually, they do. In they South do Africa. still. Yeah, it's absolutely a term, um, but and it's one that they they claim. Um, but it's not really as brave or intrepid as people think it is, because we all have these ideas about things that we'd love to do, but we don't do them. And we say, "Oh, that's because that person's so brave." Oh, Brenda would do that. She's she's crazy. She uh, no. Well. Okay, that's not necessarily mutually exclusive. I mean, indeed, be crazy. <laughs> However, uh, I have the same fears that everybody else has. And I do also have this belief, this mantra that I tell myself that everything always works out for me. Yes. Everything always works out for me. It doesn't matter where I go, I'm going to find love. I'm going to yes. be given love and I will give it and I will receive it and I will be safe. So when people said, What do you mean you're going to Pakistan? You just met this man. And you're going to go across the world and, and like, how do you know what's going to happen there? He said, I, I met his wife, his daughters. They seemed like lovely people. Um, you know, it's legit. Of course, I Googled the fellow and found out. Yes, yes. he is who he <laughs> says. <laughs> okay, I'm not that crazy. But I, I still had to come over, overcome my fears as well. And when it came to Qatar, you ask about that in particular. 
I had for years and years wanted to live and work internationally. And anybody who knew me knew that. But we always, especially as women, look at our lives and look at all the restrictions, all the anchors, which quite frankly, we built ourselves. We've fashioned our own anchors lovingly out of clay and then we turned them into iron and that might be your big house or it might be your car, it might be your mortgage, it might be your job, your career, et cetera, et cetera. All those things that we are creating are anchors. So you have to be willing to throw that off, to throw your anchor and go. So yes, that does take a little bit of chutzpah, but it'll never be the right time. It'll never be the perfect time. You have to go because you have to go. So when you feel that inside of you, I've got to go, I've got to do this, whatever it is, whatever the project is, whether you're going to jump ship and go across country, or you're going to start a podcast, or you're going to do whatever, when you got to go, you got to go. So I thought, I got to go. So I, I had the conversation, it took me a long time to get the bravery up to tell my husband, I want to, I want to do this. I want to go and I want to live internationally. So I clearly remember the day we were in our big house, big yard, you know, we had the pool, the double garage, we had it all going on, right? And I sat down with him at the counter and I said that I was ready to go, that I wanted to go and, and teach internationally, that I, I wanted to put my name out there. And he said, I'm, I'm not ready. I can't go. I have a business. He has his own anchors. He said, I, mm-hmm. I'm not ready. And I said, I am. And that was a big thing because he knew when I said that, that the decision was made. And from that point on, he couldn't talk to me for a couple of days, not because he was mad, but I think because he was actually processing. Yeah. And after a couple of days, he said, okay, we'll figure this out. You know, we can't keep the house and we can't do this. And maybe he was trying to maybe give me a little bit of fear language to keep me going backwards, (laughs) but I didn't get into the fear language. And I said, yeah, you're right. We probably will have to sell the house. You're right. We probably will have to make some big changes, but um, this is what I want to do. This is what I have to do. And this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. So, you know, coincidentally, I'm just kind of at that point again in my life. I'm, I'm just about to reopen my search profile, which is a, a company called Search Associates that uh, I go through as a teacher to look for work internationally. So I'm thinking about throwing my hat back in the ring. It's a, it's a great way to li- to be a liver. <laughs> in another- How long has it been, Brenda, since you first went? I, uh, since I went to guitar? Yeah. One, two, three, I think five years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So... You know, anyone listening, they often say, I couldn't do that. I would love to do that, but I can't. My husband wouldn't let me or my wife wouldn't let me or my parents would freak out. Yeah, that might be the case. But um, ain't nobody owns me. I'm really privileged that way. Nobody can tell me that I have to stay home. And I realize that as I sit here and tell you about all these stories, I sit in a place of privilege that many other people do not. So I get to say, oh, I can go anywhere I want now. I have a pension. Mm-hmm. Okay, I retired a little bit early, but I have a pension. And I will say that is the goose that laid the golden eggs, kids. So, yes, I, I'm thankful for that. And I'm saying all this as a middle-class white lady because in Qatar, 
there is a lot of racism. I love the people. I love the country. But there is a lot of racism. And as a white woman, I had an easy time of it. I'll tell you that. And I'm also effusive and I go looking for situations where I can ingratiate myself and get in there and get to know people. So I, I have cuttery friends and people would say nobody gets invitations to cuttery houses ever. And well, that's just not true because right. I've been to them many times. Um, but my friends over there who are who are uh, from Nigeria, who are from the Philippines, who are from Jamaica, who are from the United States, but are black women. That's a different story for them. So there, it's very, very stratified. Mm -hmm. And white is actually not at the top, which it is in many places, as we like to think. We, as in me being white woman, <laughs> um, that is not the case over over in Qatar. Actually, it's different that way. But I wouldn't have known that if I had only visited for a week or gone to Dubai for a week and right, right. ate great food and went to amazing places and then went home and said, "Wow, I know what Dubai's like." I actually don't like Dubai, but that's that's just now, me. Brenda. I'm I'm wondering because you said you know the word is not brave. And hopefully you both can hear me because I know on my end yes. you're kind of cutting out because internet in Costa Rica sucks. But you said the word is not brave, but I certainly have to say that it is a mighty brave thing to do because as somebody who myself has decided on multiple occasions to leave and go to other countries, I remember the moment in a six-year relationship where I said, hey, I'm moving to Costa Rica. And that actually ended up being the demise of that relationship. So yeah. I'm wondering what what that what those thoughts were for you when you finally said to your husband i'm ready to go because that becomes a you know that was a very different conversation that stops being about wanting and that becomes willing and as you said there are so many people who say they want these things but they never take the hard steps to do it which you right. finally did so i'm wondering what the feelings were when you finally uttered the words out loud and said i'm ready i'm going well i can only speak uh, on my own behalf and tell you how my husband reacted. Um, and I would say that it really depends on your own relationship. And if you're looking to preserve our relationship, then perhaps you're going to behave differently than if you're looking to preserve your own self and who you really are. So it, if you're willing to sacrifice what you want and what is important to you and who you truly are for another person, then that's a different conversation than the one I'm having with you. Mm -hmm. uh, at some point in your life, I hope you get there. I hope everybody is able to get there and say, okay, when the oxygen mask drops, I'm putting it on me first, kids. And that was, that was honestly one of those times I was putting the oxygen mask on me and I had never done that really before. You do it in small ways and think, oh yeah, I'm I'm brave, I'm I've got it going on. But you still go home and make sure that dinner's on the table, or you make sure that you get to your job and that you get the paycheck. Um that willingness to put me first put me on a new path in my life. Actually, I was I would say that I could have even had a low grade depression, right? If I had kept going the way that I was going and I did the mistake of looking forward, which we shouldn't do, 
but I did. And I thought, I, I don't want to keep doing this. I don't want to keep doing day in, day out what I'm doing right now. I would rather blow it up. So I, I, I was willing to blow it up. You know, there was that window that I was willing to blow it up. One of the things that I'm thinking is, um, what were you, and, yeah, of course. And it doesn't even have to be an answered. It's more of a statement is that, um, there, you also have to consider what you were willing to lose because you didn't right. know. Yeah. And, and I think that's the thing we need to, and it so resonates with me. I mean, when I made the decision to leave teaching, it hit me really hard very quickly. And it wasn't that I don't love, I keep, I always feel like I need to say, it's not that I don't love the kids. It's not that I. I don't love teaching. I just, I've outgrown the classroom. And I spoke to my then husband and in the end, I'll never forget this. This was not the reason why he left the marriage. Um, but he said, I couldn't, he literally said, I couldn't let you believe that I supported you leaving teaching. And he, and it was really, there's a lot that, but he actually said that. And yeah. so he put that on me. That wasn't why he left at all. What was so interesting is I never thought that I would lose my marriage. I didn't even think that was something that I was willing to lose. I was willing to lose on an extended pension. I was willing to lose all my benefits and my pay. I was willing to shift that, but I thought I had a partner to count on. And the thing is, is now that he's been gone, it hasn't stopped me one iota. It's paused me a little bit. And now I'm like, you know, I, I want my big kids to go off. So I have a timeline of hopeful, like my promise to myself, I call it a promise. And, uh, but also being willing to be open to it being sooner. I'm, I'm leading up to what's, what's supposed to happen. And when you spoke earlier about when you got to go, you got to go. And I, I'm totally going to use that as the title for this podcast. Cause it's funny because <laughs> it makes me think about, and oh, I got to pee, I got to pee, but it's true. Yeah, yeah. When you got to go, you got to go. And I tell people it's your soul begging you. It's, it's yeah. beyond the whisper in your ear. It's beyond the tap on your shoulder, slap across the face. Like seriously, when you feel it and you light up, when you talk and you, you sparkle and it's like, and then when, as soon as you say, well, maybe not right now. And how many times do you say, well, maybe not right now you lose that glow. And then we kind of just yeah. shrivel up because we keep on going. Yeah. So when you say you were thinking about what you were willing to lose, but what you gained and it is whether it's bravery, maybe we don't need to label what that is, but a lot of people are fear. We are very much fear influenced. Yes. And so we fear the unknown. And you said, you don't really look ahead. It's about being in now, I'm assuming, and right. following what you're being called to do. Right. You know, it's funny right now, it's such a transition period right now. Yeah. Um, the energies are, you gotta stay, you gotta go, you gotta stay, but you can't yep. go. Yeah. My son right now, uh, for the first time, he's wanted to go to BC for a long time. And now he's actually has the opportunity, has a second job um, interview today for British mm -hmm. Columbia. And it's a big deal for him. He's never left. He's never done any of that stuff before. And so I've had those chats with him recently and said, like, I, I'm going to miss you like crazy. I'm going to miss you like crazy, but I fully support what you're doing. And I said, you're going to get a lot of fear-based language from people who love you, from people mm -hmm. who you respect, but they, through no fault of their own, are going to put some fear-based language on you. And it's going to be like, but it's COVID time. Why would you go at this time? Why would you leave your support network? You're just getting stuck together. And he's like, fuck them. And I said, well, <laughs> let's couch that a little bit. <laughs> Remember, they love you. <laughs> and they're saying this out of love. <laughs> I said, because you're going to hear this from your grandparents, for example. And you're mm -hmm. going to hear this from aunts and uncles and good friends. But just know that it's just fear. And the 
when you gotta go, you gotta go. Gotta go. Yeah. So, yeah, funny that I'm also at that point. I don't know if I told you gals that I was, I won't say I was supposed to, I was scheduled to be going to Spain for three months on the 30th of this month. Yeah. And of course, now I'm saying was because I've had to get my tickets back. I've had to cancel my reservations, but I really wanted to, this truly has been a lifelong dream since I used to watch Sesame Street and they spoke Spanish and I was like, what is this amazing language? And I was going to be in Seville for two months and then in San Sebastian for one month. And I'm ready to go. But for some reason, the universe doesn't want me to go quite yet. So all those doors that I thought I could jump through again, right now they're click, click, click closing. So I'm having to sit and kind of figure out what's the message right now? Why am I why am I having to stay here? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think a lot of people, I mean, COVID is doing a number on people and I don't mean the, um, the disease of it. It is the, um, what it's causing us to think about and to sit with because we're really sitting with ourselves and we yeah. see a lot of what our triggers are and all those different things. But um, before we wrap up, I wonder, can you talk a little bit about the living library? I will. That is what it means to you. I'm so interested in what you're doing next with that. And I appreciate you even asking me about that because anytime I get a chance to talk about this, I get excited (laughs) about it. So I met you, I think you came as a guest to the Living Library. And the guest, the Living Library was an event that I co founded with my friend Shelly, gosh, over 10 years ago. And I had joined what became the Human Rights Committee. And we were looking for a new project and I had just come off of a principal's course where I'd heard of this living library. So we started it and what the living library is then was an annual event by the elementary teachers federation Mm -hmm. that paid for it. And we would invite teachers, educators, uh, community members, et cetera, et cetera, to come for one night and check out a book and the air quote is book because the books were actually people. And they were people whom I had met, uh, who Shelley had met back in those days. My friend Raquel was also a part of that committee at the very beginning. You, I, you might know Raquel and um, Allison. Anyway, we just mind our friends because we there were some great stories out there. So those people would come and they would be a book for the evening. So you could check out a book. You'd take them, go off to a corner, whatever with maybe two or three other people and listen to their story. And there were powerful stories. Oh yeah. Incredibly powerful stories. And then after 20 to 30 minutes, we all get together and we break bread. So we'll have a cup of tea. Remember the book three cups of tea? I do. I remember. Right. First cup of tea, you're a stranger. Second cup of tea, you're a friend. And the third cup of tea, your family. So we said, let's have three cups of tea through through the evening and let's have all this amazing food because food always brings people together. So that event year after year got bigger and we had the books that would return year after year and then we had new books coming in so that the lens could, at the beginning was very much uh, immigrant people who had immigrated from other countries, people of color, um, indigenous, we, FNMI was a really big thing back there, first peoples. And then as it went on, then we started to look through other lenses as people said, well, what about mental health? What about poverty? What about um, people who have had children with disabilities, et cetera, et cetera. So 
it became a no holds barred. You know, we came in with our, our narrow lens from Human Rights Committee or the Anti-Racism Committee, and then it got wider and wider just as we went through the years. Cut to today, when uh, probably three weeks ago, maybe two and a half weeks ago, I was thinking about what could I do? And I'd heard, I was passing through the kitchen, my husband was listening to a podcast and I thought, oh, if I ever did one, what would I do it about? And of course the living library popped in my head. And then I thought, wait a minute, this could actually work. Because then I could still interview people. We could still have these stories and actually have a repository for the stories on a YouTube channel. Yep. So the thing about the annual event is you could never go and say, oh, what did that book say? You lost it, right? So now there it is. It's going to be in a website. It's going to be in a YouTube channel. And again, through other wonderful kismet, I've got a girl who will build the website for me through because she built the website for us at Harsuk School. And I was a part of that. So all these things, bang, 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 are falling into place. But the other piece that I really love is cooking and if you're following me on Instagram or whatever, you'll see that I've always got bread. I'm always <laughs> baking bread. So instead of baking bread, I thought, oh, the title is going to be Breaking Bread because that's what we would do at the Living Library. So what my guests are going to do is bring forward a recipe that's important to them culturally or it's important to their country or it's important to their family. And when we can, someday we'll maybe cook that together while we have our story. But in the meantime, I'll cook it. Hopefully it's vegan because I do eat vegan. <laughs> if not, I'll try to veganize it. And uh, if not, whatever, we'll figure it out um, when I have to cross that bridge. But so that's that's the big project and I'm really excited about it. It's going to be breaking bread. I've already got the YouTube channel. I've bought the domain and I've already lined up my first guest. My first guest is going to be Shelly because Shelly eventually left the committee to become a book because she really had an amazing story to tell. Wow. So, um, I think that's really interesting, Brenda, because when you said about three weeks ago, and that's about when I contacted you, it was like, it, was. it, it was really crazy. was at that exact moment. And the reason why I wanted to talk to you was because of Living Library and the fact that you are a seeker and that, um, and it's amazing when you talk about kismet that that it all is coming about right now and that you're able to share that with the with the listeners because soon they're going to be subscribing to your podcast and your YouTube channel because you know the whole point of our podcast is to show that there are there are so many more similarities and differences and rather than us and them it's that we are together it's there's True. more of us together rather than them and it's so about bringing the stories of people yeah, it's so true. And, um, you know, you asked in your, the little package that you sent me, you yeah. know, what's uh, something that you know how to make or something like that, that you're, you're good at. That you could share with us. Yeah. And, and it's, I can tell you how to make a friend. I'm pretty good at making friends. And it's the easiest recipe for anybody who wants to try it. You can go anywhere. You can just stick your head outside the door. You can talk to the fellow who's sitting on a rattan chair beside you, you know, as you wait for your Ayurvedic treatment or talk to the lady. I have a dear, dear friend in South Africa in Cape town who she was leading us on our tour and uh, I love her. And now I know that she's a, a crazy woman who loves <laughs> Rocky and Janice, if you watch this podcast, 
she's probably watching Rocky for the 87th time. This is like we have to we have to hashtag her or at her or whatever you do. We have to tag her in this so she watches it. So she Actually, knows. maybe you maybe you'd like maybe you'd like Janice as a as a guest on your podcast. I think so. I yeah, probably yeah. would. Um, but yeah, all you do is say how you doing today. How's your day going? And let it go from there. You know, when someone sees that you have an open heart and an open smile and that your eyes are clear and honest and true, you got a friend. So, yeah. you know, I can tell you how to make kombucha or sourdough. Forget it. I think it's way more important that you know how to make a friend. <laughs> I love it. Brenda, thank you. Siobhan, you've been cutting in and out. I'm wondering, do you have any last words or comments for Brenda? I think she's cut I out the exact moment. I there we go. I cannot tell you. There you go. Okay. I yeah. don't see you, but I cannot tell you how important this conversation was because you are the embodiment. I think that women, people need to hear to know that it's okay to take these risks. It is important to ask yourself and your heart, what calls to me? How, how can I best live out my own purpose? And the fact that you, you took that calling, despite the fact that it's terrifying, despite the fact that there is going to be people that love you, that are still going to think it's the worst idea you've ever made, but that you listened to that true knowing of yourself and that everything that you're doing is so heart-centered means that everything that you bring to the world is going to be like deeply passionate and personal and in your calling. So I'm so inspired by you. I can't wait for your podcast. Oh, great. Well, thanks, Siobhan. And I think, uh, well, maybe um, the last thing I'll say is if you've never read Glennon Doyle, it's kind of like I keep her unchained, untamed beside my <laughs> bed at everywhere uh, because it's a real galvanizer. And yeah, the last thing I would say to people is honestly, when she quotes Alicia Keys and says, I'm a grown ass woman and I do what the fuck I want. Yes. You gotta get to that place <laughs> where you just do what the fuck you want and everybody will still love you afterward. And if they don't, well then fuck them. They never did. Oh my God. I feel like I need to take my mic out of the stand and do my job. You're moment. a goddamn cheetah. Yeah. <laughs> goddamn cheetah. I love it. Oh my God. Brenda, thank you so very much for joining us for this candid conversation. Um, we thank all of our listeners as usual. Have a wonderful day. Take care. Namaste, girls. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in each week for another Candid Conversation. And don't forget to like and subscribe. You'll find all the ways to connect with us on social media in the show notes. And we look forward to bringing you more amazing conversations with ordinary people leading extraordinary lives. See you next time.